Chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, He sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you've not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Let's pause there in what is the beginning of of a great story, the story of Gideon overcoming the Midianites. Father, as we sit under your word, as we've just heard, word and spirit, we pray your spirit would come lift these words from the pages of scripture, from this event in the life of your people. And I pray by your spirit, press it into our hearts and minds, your people here today. And Father, if there are any of us here, Gideon-like, where we are maybe hiding but we're hungry, Lord, stir our hearts. Speak to us as the prophet and the angel As the Lord himself spoke to Gideon then, speak to us, continue to speak to us as you have been today. Equip us, envision us, enable us. We want to see your church revived. We want to see your land reclaimed, evangelized, transformed. And all so that you look good. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen, amen. I'm going to try something. I've, for a long time, I've had um, a prescription for my eyes because I, I just, you know, I need glasses. But the, the thing is, um, so, and that's why often, it maybe if I look at you in a slightly gormless way when you're approaching me, it's, 
oh, maybe it is because I'm gormless, but it's just because I'm trying to sort of, who is that? <laughs> and, I, oh, right, okay, that's who you are. So the, here are my goals. So the trouble is, so now I can see, I can see, like, just a quick name check, Chris Elder, I can see you really clearly at the back. So there's no sleeping now in the back row. Um, but what it means is then I can't see my notes. I have to look underneath because all my eyes go all swimmy. So I'm, and now I'm breaking the mic. So that's what's happening. If I sort of take them off, I'm not quite sure what's going on. Um, so look, what we're going to do in August is uh, different heroes of faith in Scripture. And actually, uh, certainly with Gideon, and I suspect with many of the others, whoever the people speaking, whoever they pick uh, and they alight on, I suspect that we'll, we'll see there's this kind of divine human cooperation. And that so many of the great things, the things that we ascribe as heroic to these characters, actually it was God. And as we'll see with Gideon, really, it's simply that there was a desire and a hunger and then obedience. And, you know, in most of the cases of the way in which God works in extraordinary ways through individuals in Scripture, it basically boils down to not much to do with the individual. Often he picks the lowly or the least or the most unlikely. Maybe he does that deliberately to make a point. It's not about you in one sense, other than that you, you want to work with me, live for me, and you're willing to obey. And then, and then the rest, trust me for the rest. It's as if he's saying. So here we are, we're getting a little bit of context. Um, uh, just, just turn back a page or two, chapter three, verse seven, and there's a repeating theme in the book of Judges. Chapter three, verse seven, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs, other sort of idols of the peoples round about. Just go down to verse 12 of chapter three. Again, the Israelites, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Um, Chapter four, verse one, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, Just over to chapter 6, where we were, we began our reading. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And there's a cycle. If you read through the book of Judges, uh, the people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He hands them over. They they serve and and worship idols and foreign gods. And so God gives them over to some foreign power. And they're overwhelmed for a period. And then they're so desperate, as we heard in this story, they cry out to God. And God, in his grace, because he can't ultimately abandon his side of the covenant promise God comes to them and rescues them and and so they know peace or prosperity for a while if uh, look at the the last line just before chapter 6 again this is out of the rule of Deborah one of the judges then the land had peace for 40 years so peace but then they they stray again and in desperation they cry out and God's grace he delivers them and there's peace and and there's if you read through judges that's that's the cycle going on and Gideon steps into this cycle, and uh, we're in, as I was sort of drawing that circle, we're sort of in, in this bit here, we're the, the, the bottom bit. Midian, for seven years, has completely devastated uh, the nation of Israel. You see in uh, verse five, they had camels. Uh, that is superior uh, uh, sort of military strength. Camels can go uh, weeks and weeks without needing water. Uh, they can survive for long, long times, and they can. Run, if you run, camels run really fast, far faster than sort of mules or, or horses. They can really charge, and so they are. That's just an extraordinary arsenal for the the Midianites. Um, 
And they are just so numerous. They've completely overwhelmed and devastated Israel. As Ken was showing us on, on Wednesday, uh, they'd come at, every time at harvest time. The Israelites we read here would plant their crop and Midianites would come and completely devastated. So they literally were sucking the life out of the nation of Israel. They're desperate. They're, they're probably literally starving to death. And the future looks incredibly bleak. Just small people of Israel, the vast armies of Midian, the references to swarms, which is an interesting uh, current reference, um, just showing how contemporary the Bible is. Uh, swarms of, no one's responding. Did you, did you hear about the thing with the, yeah, okay, fine. David Cameron, he's, uh, he's been picked up on describing the immigrants as, as swarms of immigrants and everyone's taken offense. Um, uh, but here it is in scripture, uh, describing the Midianites. So... <laughs> Well, it's, it's amazing. We could get sidetracked here on a big debate on whether he's right or wrong to use that term. Let's leave that there. Um, all I'm saying is scripture describes Midian as swarming over Israel, overcoming them, conquering them. And uh, so that's the situation where Gideon, um, uh, the Lord comes to Gideon. And it's just, all, I think all I want to, in the time, I'm just going to pick on this one thing, verse 11. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, where he's threshing, Ken pointed out here, Ken's little detail I hadn't seen, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. And the point is you, you're meant to press grapes in a wine press. You're meant to be making wine in a wine press. Um, you thresh wheat out in the open on a hilltop where there's a breeze so that when, you, when you, you sort of thresh it up and all the chaff blows away and you're left with the wheat. So that's a very public thing to do. But to indicate the straits in which Israel are in, He's doing the outside job inside, hiding away from the Midianites. And the Lord appears, verse 12, in the form of an angel. And look what he says to Gideon. So there's the context. Israel are at the bottom of this cycle. They're impoverished. They're, they're overwhelmed. They're weak and impotent and powerless. And here's Gideon hiding away. And we, we know of uh, Gideon from verse 15. He says... Of himself, um, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. So, so self-professed wimp, if you like. I, I'm, I'm a nobody. Even within a people of nobodies in this context. And the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. How, how is it that the angel... Given that context, how is it that the angel can say to Gideon, the Lord through the angel, mighty warrior? What's, what's going on there? And I think if, all I think I want to leave with you today is so much more we could say within the story of, of Gideon. But all I want to offer today is that um, it, this whole story starts with an issue of Gideon's heart. And as, as I've touched on, his, his hunger and his desire. And that's what the Lord sees. He doesn't look at the context or the circumstances. Not he's unaware of them. He knows full well what's going on. He's the one who's given Israel into the hand of Midian in the first place to teach them a lesson, to discipline them. So he knows full well what's going on. He knows that Gideon shouldn't be pressing, uh, chaffing wheat in a wine press. He knows all things are all out of order. He knows that there's an oppressive power. Of course he knows all that. And it, in that, he comes to Gideon and says... You mighty warrior. Why? And I think it's because of what Gideon says in verse 13. 
Look at him, he's so polite. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replies, verse 13, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? See, the angel said, the Lord is with you. Well, if he's with us, then how come? Gideon knows that thing, Gideon, he's kind of, this isn't as it should be. Things are not right here. If, as the prophet said, when the prophet was sent to them, reminded them of the history, if that is the case, then why is this happening? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? With all the miracles, you think of the, the plagues, you think of the parting of the Red Sea, you think of the water out of the rock in the desert, think of all the times when God miraculously stepped in. That's on Gideon's heart. That's what's living there. He's kind of nursing that desire, that hunger, to see that kind of stuff again. Where is it? Why, why, are, we, why are we on the back foot? Why are we hiding in caves and clefts? When if God is with us, we ought to be seeing signs and wonders. We ought to be seeing the things associated with the victorious people of God. Where are they? Where are they? That's his first response to the angel, to the Lord through the angel. Where are they? Why, is this, why aren't we seeing more? And I, I think, I don't know, but I, I want to offer this to you. I think that's why the Lord says to Gideon, who sees his heart and sees that hunger and sees that desire, the Lord says to Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. Not because of anything you've done, you're hiding away in a wine press, but because of what I see you long for. I see your hunger, I see your desire, I see that you, you attribute great things to God. And I could, it's as if God is saying, I can work with someone like that. I can work with someone like that. It's really interesting, when, uh, just uh, so many, thank you for those who came up and shared. Test me stuff that God is doing. It's why one of the reasons I love going to focus is it just helps me to lift my gaze. And, um, you know, God, God didn't heal me personally, but I'm connected, covenantly connected to people who were healed. I love that story of the, um, who was it, the teenager? No, sorry, it was Anna. With the teenager and the, the cuts completely healed. You just, just, there is the proof, you, there's the testimony. Love that, I stand with that young person. Uh, may not have healed me personally, but he's healed someone I know and love and I'm in covenant. Wow, fantastic. It lifts my gate, lifts my faith. And I, I want to suggest that in order for God to use us like he used Gideon, um, and uh, just to sort of wreck the story, but read it yourself, Gideon, uh, Judges 6 and 7 and on into 8, uh, massive army, tiny band of 300 men, and the Lord through Gideon overcomes them. In fact, Gideon doesn't have to do anything other than blow a trumpet. If you read it, God does it all. He turns the Midianites on themselves miraculously. So he overcomes the army. He does all the stuff. He does all the powerful stuff. Gideon just has to... He, just blows a trumpet. I don't know about you. I, I can't. I couldn't overcome a massive army. It was about 120,000 in the Midianites. I can't overcome that, but I can blow a trumpet. Every single one of us in this room could blow a trumpet. We, we could do the things that he asked us to do if we're hungry for it, desirous of it. So just let me uh, finish here with um, just when Hannah came up and shared, you know, the Pat was saying about accelerating, and maybe in, in August we could accelerate rather than just thinking, oh, we chill, chillax. Let's press in. And I think, yeah. And then Hans says, sometimes you press in by, by stopping. And I thought, well, that's interesting. 
And I wonder whether over August and these months, one of the things we could do is actually to rehearse, like Gideon did, the story of God. The things that we know he, he does, it, it may be by contemporary things he's done at Focus or at New Wine or at Christians in Sport. These, there's, there's tens of thousands of Christians meeting in this land uh, around about this time on different conferences, camps and so on. There'll be all sorts of stories happening, uh, healings, testimony of God at work. And we kind of, let's eat those things and wear those things and chew over those things. Or it may be that you've, if you're planning to lie on a beach in the next few weeks, to take a, a book uh, of, uh, maybe it's just a biography, an autobiography of, of uh, extraordinary lives down the ages. We mentioned Wesley and Whitfield or Wilberforce, uh, others. It was just during the ages where God has moved in extraordinary ways. Read up maybe on, just Google some of the revivals that have taken place. Read of some of the stuff that's happened, spilled out. This is the same God. And we can fill ourselves with that hunger, that desire in our hearts, so that if God was to visit us with an angel, we, we, we shouldn't be too surprised if he addresses us as mighty warrior because of what's in here. I long to see that. I want to, I want to fight on your side, on the side of the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. I want to fight on your side, Lord. I want to overcome the Midianites. Believe that can happen. Powerful as it is, Ken had this great play on words, Midianites in Gideon's day or Media Knights in our day. Do you see what he did? <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was all right. I don't know. I, I, that resonated with me. I, I, I think, you know, the, try, how do we find a Christian voice today in the media? It's incredibly hard. The media clamps it down. The media... I'm generalizing now, but the media makes it incredibly hard for you to frame an argument. To say, well, hang on, before we address this issue, this issue, can we look at the paradigm? Can we look at the framework from which we might want to argue or address this issue? No, sorry, it's got to be 144 characters. It's got to be a soundbite. It's got to be a nice alliterative headline. Otherwise, and it, it, it's incredibly hard to find a way to stand in general, in the, in the media. So maybe the media nights are the things that are, are causing us to, to, to cower in the cave. And Ken was very strong on that on Wednesday. But however it is that we overcome whatever you understand, whatever you interpret Midian to be today, that's maybe just one example, there'll be others. Is there the hunger? Is the desire like, like Gideon? She's saying, where are the wonders? Where are you, Lord? Are you well versed in scripture? And then the people who've lived under the authority of scripture to, to know him and his power and his spirit at work in the lives of others at work in your lives. That's why I rejoice, it's wonderful. I'm gonna stop now uh, um, because I thought it was wonderful just to hear those stories from Focus. It's fantastic to feel just encountering God in a way that you just you cannot take that from him. It's just a new paradigm of relationship. How fantastic and fulfilled then for any of us. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior, mighty warrior. Why don't we stand together? Just a moment, are we kind of still digesting some of the focus stuff and other things? Maybe even just this story. Um, 
and at the start of it here, the encounter with the angel and the Lord through the angel. And as we stand, maybe you've never thought of yourself as a, a mighty warrior. It just, it, it's just not, it's someone else. You recognize that the church needs mighty warriors, but it's not really. But Gideon said, oh, I'm, I'm the least, I'm the last. My family is the smallest, I'm the least in the family. I'm, I'm a nobody, Gideon would have said. He did say. And yet the angel says, mighty warrior. 